It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Am I allowed to say balls to the wall? Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 575 of Lockdown Raptors for Thursday, October the 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Lockdown Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams, a whole whack of baseball teams, and now a whole whack of hockey teams as well. If you're an NHL fan getting back into the start of the season, we have shows covering the Leafs, the Golden Knights, the Sharks, the Bruins, the Canucks. We have about half the roster filled out. More shows being added every week, so stay tuned and uh, subscribe, rate, review all the shows that you like and want to support on the network. It's very much appreciated when you do that. All right, on today's show, it's a little bit of a preview of one of the teams that you're going to hate this season. I'm going to do this all all throughout the preseason. I'm going to check in with people who cover the teams that, again, you're going to hate this year, the teams that are kind of in the running with the Raptors for those three, four seeds in the Eastern Conference, presumably behind the Bucks and the Sixers in the one, two spots. And I started off with a team that everybody hates the most, the Boston Celtics. And uh, I'm conflicted because this Celtics team is significantly less hateable than it has been in the past. And Kemba Walker is really cool. And Enos Cantor is really fun and weird and kooky. And I kind of like him as like a personality off the court. He's bad on the court, but he's interesting off. And I don't know. I think this Celtics team is kind of interesting. And I'm looking forward to watching them in a weird, gross sort of way. And so I, I was joined on today's show by John Corrales, who's the host of Lockdown Celtics. We chatted about what the Celtics are going to look like, what their defense is going to look like, how their depth is all going to play out, the 7,000 rookies they have on their bench, and sort of a prediction for where they're going to end up this season, sort of their ceiling, their floor, that kind of stuff. It was a fun chat, and so this will be the first of many. I'll probably check in with people who cover the Heat, and the Nets, and the Pacers, and the Magic, and all the other teams that people seem to assume are going to be in that running for home court in the first round in the East, in addition to the Raptors. So... Hope you look forward to those ones. Those will be fun. This one was fun, too. This is with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. Enjoy it. I'll be back again on Friday. Katie Heindel is going to join me on the show. She wrote a piece for Uproxx this week, so I'm excited to talk to her about that. And who knows what else kind of hijinks we'll get into. Katie on the show is always a fun wild card, and that's going to be a blast. Stay tuned for that tomorrow. Uh, There might be another episode sandwiched in there as well. I'm not sure just yet. I won't tease it because I'm not sure if it's actually going to be recorded or if it'll even make sense, Uh, and that might just get pushed to next week. But there will be lots to come, of course. Sorry we missed an earlier day this week. It was actually because scheduling got in the way with John and Emmy to push this to Wednesday, and I just didn't have any time after realizing we weren't recording on Tuesday to actually get an episode in. So unfortunately, we are only at four episodes for this week. But again, I might squeeze a fifth episode in tonight and uh, give you a little treat for tomorrow morning. Anyway, 
that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Before we get to the conversation with John, I'd just like to remind you that Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for Indochino. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, joining me now on the Locked On Raptors podcast is a colleague, enemy, frenemy, whatever you want to call it. Also from the Locked On Podcast Network, it is the host of Locked On Celtics, it's John Corrales. John, how are you, man? I am doing well, and uh, I want to just say congratulations to you and your listeners on embarking on a season where you're defending a championship. Dude, that's, it's so very, very it's cool. so relaxing. It's unbelievable. Sure. Oh my I'm god! Sure it is. It's the I've, I've said it before. I might get t-shirts made. It's the Hakuna Matata season, man. I'm just it's it's very nice <laughs> to not have any worries about anything. It's uh, beautiful. It's beautiful. So I'm happy for you guys. Oh, well, thanks, man. Uh, yeah. So I figured we should sort of catch up. You know, we talk routinely throughout the regular season when the Raptors and Celtics are playing and I kind of want to go around the Eastern Conference a little bit and just check in with people who cover all the teams that figure to be in that race between like the three and I don't know nine seeds in the Eastern Conference it's kind of a big (laughs) morass of teams right now and the Celtics to me are probably in the upper echelon of those teams as I think the Raptors probably are as well And so I just wanted to pick your brain on the Celtics going into this season. Obviously, a very, very different team. They lose Kyrie Irving. They lose Al Horford. First of all, of those two losses, which matters more to the health of the Celtics? Horford. Yeah? I figured that'd be the answer. Yeah, Without a doubt. And it's not because Kyrie is a weird dude and Kyrie had his own kind of rules. It's because the big gaping hole for the Celtics right now is... Not only the center spot, but defensively, who's quarterbacking this defense? It's mm-hmm. not like they have a guy back there that's like, well, he's not great, but he's really good at reading things and he can direct traffic and really put guys in a position to play good team defense. I am very curious to see how Brad Stevens approaches this team defensively because Al Horton was such a massive part of the success of this team defensively. He obviously guarded guys like Giannis and Embiid and and those guys, but he put guys in good positions to play good team defense. So that, that is just impossible to replace. There's like three guys in the league that can do that at that level. And getting Kemba is a nice recovery at the point guard as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, he's no one's going to say one-on-one he's better than Kyrie, but he was still third team all NBA and he's still a really, really good player. He's going to be, you know, potential all-star for the next few years. So that was a nice recovery at that position. But losing Orford sucks. Yeah, I uh, personally speaking, I always dreaded playing the Celtics because Horford just always seemed to knock down the shot when he needed to most or make the good defensive play. 
And uh, frankly, I, I'm very much relieved thinking about playing the Celtics now as a Raptors fan, just because it doesn't quite feel sure. as burdensome to go up against them defensively. Um, that's sort of my biggest question with this team. So you mentioned Kemba Walker's in, Enos Cantor is in as well, figures I guess to be the starting center. And then it's not like a crazy deep team. You have sort of the expected starters with Walker, Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, and then Cantor, I guess. And then after that, it's kind of a, a mess. Like I know Marcus Smart is probably going to be the sixth man. He's got probably going to play a lot. I've seen some people suggest he should play like power forward or center, which would be fun and weird. <laughs> uh, shouts to Michael Pina. And I know there's like Daniel Tice coming back from injury, but it's a lot of guys who are like very unproven or brand new to the NBA. A lot of rookies. You got Robert Williams and the I guess is the Time Lord or whatever. He's got to figure yes. out you know how to get on time to, to to the game and everything. But he's very talented in theory on paper. And so, I guess for me, a couple of questions that really come to mind. I think this team is going to score a ton. I think they're going to be really, really good offensively. I think it's kind of impossible not to be good offensively with what they have, especially in their starting five. But when you come to defense, that's where my sort of questions lie. It's both defense and depth with this Celtics team. And I guess we can start with the defense. Like, how bad is this team going to be on D? I know Brad Stevens typically sort of prides himself on having good defensive structure with his teams, and they're always good defensive teams in Boston, but this team just doesn't really feel like it has the horses to be better than league average at the very, very best. I'm wondering what you think about how they line up on the defensive side. It's it's going to be super interesting. That was my first question on media day of Brad Stevens, and he did make a good point that they have a lineup that can be extraordinarily good defensively when you throw Smart and Jalen Brown and like Gordon Hayward's a, a pretty good defender. You could throw a lineup of guys that are switchable, that can defend the guy in front of them, and depending on who's behind them at the center spot, I don't know what he's thinking there, but there are good defenders that they can throw out there. Marcus Smart was a first-team all-defense player, but you need that good team defense. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to like the pick-and-roll, uh, without having seen them play, and this is the weird thing about this team, it's, it's so different and so new, and they are so moving on from last year that there is really almost nothing to take mm-hmm. from what they did last year. So this is, in a lot of senses, weird and, and unclear I think the best thing that they can do is kind of steal the Milwaukee Bucks pick-and-roll defense and Mm. just drop every time. Don't worry about switching. Don't worry about whatever. Uh, Brad Stevens did say they're going to have to play a little bit differently than they have in the past. You can't switch Cantor like you switched Al Horford. That's just asking for trouble. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with any of these other guys. Poirier, I don't know much about him, but he figures to get some minutes, but he's not going to be able to switch onto guys. Tice... Maybe, but he gets torched by big, tough players like Embiid and Gobert. Like he, he's he has his own deficiencies. I think a drop pick and roll coverage, where you chase over the top of a pick, try to force teams into that mid range, inefficient shot, and just dare them to hit sixty percent from eighteen feet. And if you don't, now you're in a position where efficiency efficiency factors into this, and and you can be a good defensive team while still giving up an okay percentage shooting wise, but the types of shots that you're giving up 
give you a chance to win. Mm-hmm. I think that right now, my initial reaction is that's going to be their best way to do it. That kind of reminds me of how the Raptors had to sort of subsist when they had DeMar DeRozan and Jonas Valanciunas as sort of the dudes that everyone would target in pick and rolls. And, you know, they made it work. I mean, the Raptors were always a pretty good defensive team, but where those issues really sort of were amplified was in the postseason when every single possession became, all right, let's just drag these two guys into pick and roll and see what they can do in space. And typically the results were not especially good. So I worry about sort of the playoff viability of that. But I do agree that, like, you know, if they can simplify it a little bit, there's a proven track record for a lot of teams having maybe not so amazing rim-protecting centers who are rangy and mobile and all those nice, fancy 2019 big-man words. Like, there is <laughs> there is an ability for teams to sort of find defensive success based on that shot spectrum. I think the Raptors have done that in the past, too. Like, they, under Dwayne Casey, love to give up long twos. And after that, like, you know, they kind of changed things last year when Marc Gasol came in and they could play sort of a different style and they kind of just, you know, they didn't give up anything, really. And it's not like the Raptors' defense of last year is comparable to any, in any way to either the Raptors' defense of this year or the Celtics' defense. But I'm just sort of drawing comparisons in my mind to sort of think about how it's going to sure. look like. And I think maybe defenses of Raptors' past is sort of what, if you're thinking about the Celtics, might be what will be the best way forward for them this season. I'm looking at the bench you, I mean, the Celtics had a million draft picks. They mm-hmm. seemed like they were on the clock like every five minutes. They bring in Taco Fall as a second rounder, <laughs> Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Tremont Waters. Uh, all of these guys seem to comprise much of the like 7 through 12 of the roster. I know there's Tice and there's Semi Ojale and Brad Wanamaker in the mix there as well with Robert Williams. And, you know, that's nice. You have a lot of guys with potential to sort of pop as, as first rounders or, or, or second rounders or whatever it is. But I do really worry about sort of the viability of rookies if you're trying to do real big things, even in this sort of depressed Eastern Conference. I think counting on rookies is tough. From you, from what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've reported with the team, like, what are you thinking from this sort of collection of rookies coming in? And is anyone sort of leaning towards being someone you think is going to pop? Well, I'm I'm looking at two guys that are potential minutes getters on on this team, uh, immediate impact kind of guys. And Grant Williams, I think, is one. And um, Carson Edwards would be the other. Tremont Waters on a two-way, and unless they upgrade him to put Taco Fall on a two-way, he's going to get most of his minutes in Maine in, in the G League team. And he'll probably get most of those minutes regardless, unless there's some sort of injury. Romeo Langford is kind of tinkering with his shot. Mm-hmm. He's got a ton of potential. I mean, he's obviously a very talented player. An elite name as shot- well. Romeo Langford has to be a successful NBA player. That's, that's a big, yeah, that's a big time <laughs> name. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, but I, I think for him, with the retooling that they're doing with his jumper, he's probably uh, best suited for a, a long run in the G League where he can play consequence-free basketball and, and not really worry about going 2-for-12 and costing a team a game or missing a couple of shots and losing his confidence. Like, he can just go out there and ball and then go through the film and whatever. So, anyway, uh, Grant Williams, the reason why I like him is he doesn't care about scoring. Mm-hmm. And he he proved in Summer League that he has the ability to do a lot of different things, a lot of little things. And I think that's a very valuable type of guy on this team. I don't see him as a starter right away. But... 
I like him as a potential starter on this team at some point this season if he can if he can execute the plan without hurting the team because he does all of those little things. The Celtics roll out a starting five that has Kemba and Jason Tatum, two scoring guys. You start Cantor, I assume Cantor's going to be a starter. He likes to score. Even some of, even though some of it's going to come off of offensive rebounds, he wants the ball. He wants to try to score. They're going to have a third wing, whether it's Jalen Brown or Gordon Hayward. One of those guys is going to want to score. I don't want to have both of those guys out there to have them. So five guys are all trying to score and all want the ball. I'd love, ideally in a vacuum where people's feelings aren't hurt, to start a guy that does the dirty work, the little things. It's kind of like the glue in that starting lineup. And then this way you can bring, say, Gordon Hayward and Marcus Smart off the bench. And that is a powerful duo in a backcourt off the bench. Grant is 6'7". He can go out there, rebound. He's strong. He's smart. I was talking to a member of the Celtics uh, uh, staff today, and he was saying that Grant knows where he's supposed to be. And he's unlike a lot of rookies where they don't know where they're supposed to be, so I can't give this guy minutes. So the, the team is already impressed with his basketball IQ. If he can continue to grow in that role, I, I love him as a pick setter, rebounder, defender, stand in the corner, shoot the three. He's, he's working on that range. And there's one less guy that needs to be fed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important on a team like this because there's a lot of talent, but if everybody's playing their best, how much better is Kemba than Gordon? How much better is Jalen J- or, or Jason? Like there's Unless somebody really separates themselves, you get a lot of guys who all think it should be their turn. And unless you can spread out when they get their minutes, you don't want five guys all think it's their turn at the same time because that just ends up with disjointed basketball. Uh, so I, that's that's why I think Williams will uh, – I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Grant Williams will get those minutes uh, eventually in, in my perfect scenario. And Carson Edwards just shoots. He, he's a bucket. And Brad Stevens already has called him out in media scrums as a guy that's, you know, a guy that's doing well. So I think that Edwards has an opportunity to get 10, 15 minutes a game as a guy who can come in, get hot right away, you know, microwave mm-hmm. style, and, and just bang some threes. He's fearless. He gets low. He's not, the, he's not super tall, but he gets low. He's got gigantic fullback thighs, and he can really get down the court, defend, and be a bulldog that way. And he he is in range, like essentially at the hash mark. Mm-hmm. So I think I think those rookies can help. So now you, now you're talking about a starting five that has a rookie. Maybe um, there's two of your main guys are coming off the bench. So now you're at seven. Uh, another rookie that's eight. You still haven't had a backup big. That's nine. Uh, Shemi Ojale had an opportunity to get like three and D wing or small ball four or five type of minutes. So I mean, not, now you're you're running like nine, ten deep. So mm-hmm. I think that's a, a a pretty decent NBA rotation. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I uh, I like the idea of Grant Williams, uh, especially, as you mentioned, someone who's not exactly sort of looking to be another mouth that needs feeding. I can't imagine uh, thinking of a team that there are too many mouths to feed and how that... Ha- I'm just trying to remember if I've heard that on a team before, if it's happened before in recent history, especially in Boston. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, uh, I, I, I like the idea of having a guy in there who can sort of mix up the hierarchy a little bit and sort of, you know, defer some of those mouths that need feeding to the bench. Um, you mentioned Gordon Hayward, and look, I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was last season. He was bad last season. I think, you know, a year removed from uh, being a year removed from the injury is probably yep. a, a good sign for him, and, and I would expect him to be a little bit better this year. But, you know, all of a sudden that contract is kind of like coming near an end here. You got Jalen Brown, who's a restricted free agent this summer. It sounds like they're not going to give him an extension. And, you know, you've got some sort of questions there. And a GM who at least likes to, you know, give the uh, outward sort of facing notion that he likes to do trades. And so I'm wondering, <laughs> do you think the Celtics are going to be busy this season on the trade market? I know this is going to be a weird year where it feels like a lot of teams are going to be able to talk themselves into making some noise in the postseason, considering how open things are. Say one of Milwaukee or Philly suffers an injury or something like that, and there's a bit of a pathway to a potential Eastern Conference Finals. Do you see Boston being one of those teams that tries to go and make a move? And if so, does Hayward become someone who gets moved? Does Brown become someone who's expendable? Because, you know, if there's sort of a way to balance out the roster a little bit with a big man for example and also sort of funnel more possessions to Jason Tatum who I ultimately think will end up being the best player on this team by this by the end of the season as much as I love making Jason Tatum jokes um I I wonder if maybe that's a way forward for the Celtics I'm wondering what you think yeah I I wouldn't be surprised at at that um Jalen Brown seems to be an obvious target to be moved because they, like they're not going to give him the extension because he wants to prove that he's worthy of a max extension. He wants Jamal Murray money. Mm-hmm. So and, and he hasn't earned that yet, but he has a season to go out there and kind of prove himself. And that that opens him up to being a trade, uh, being tradable for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, if he is being selfish, I mean, he said all the right things over the first couple of days here at camp. But look. You can say one thing, and we'll see what the actions are. If he's being selfish and trying to do too much, then that might be disruptive. And I know after last season, ownership was kind of upset. Looking back, their their postmortem was uh, specifically mentioning that they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. And I'm not going to go into the whole can of worms about why and holding assets for Anthony Davis and blah, blah, blah. They, they still sit there and say, we could have done something at the deadline we didn't. And so if there's any sort of disruption in that sense, I wouldn't be surprised if if the Celtics are pushed to explore any sort of move. Also, there is the possibility that Jalen Brown is is actually pruning himself without trying too hard. Mm -hmm. And the Celtics have to make a decision of, well, do they want to pay him? And, And what I've been saying is, if you're looking at 
a, a contender, a contending team. They have three guys that are making like thirty million dollars or so. Like those are those are your three star players. Well, they're already going to have one guy in Kemba Walker. They're going to have a second guy going into next season in Jason Tatum, I believe, because I don't see any reason for him not to get the max extension. Mm-hmm. That's two. Now, you can throw Gordon Hayward in there. That's going to be a player option. We'll see what that is. But that's kind of temporary. Is that third guy really going to be Jalen Brown? Is Tatum, Brown, Walker that the big three that's going to carry you? I don't know. I, I feel like there might be a sell-high potential on Jalen where people see him really balling out and they go, well, I, I got to get this guy at 24 years old on my team and you make a trade, you trade them the bird rights and, and somebody else can pay him and you consolidate your talent on the wing and you look to, I don't know, Indiana, Orlando, one of those teams with a lot of bigs who are young that, that might be looking to make a move, you know, a similar move to Boston with a different position. So that's definitely a possibility. Hayward, sure. I mean, that that's always possible, too. Uh, I don't know if Hayward gets moved for a big, unless for some reason they like Andre Drummond, which I do not want. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Hayward is moved. But I think Brown becomes the bigger target. And it really, this season is going to be fascinating for Jalen Brown because of all of this. And how good is he going to be? If he's playing great, do you keep him? How, how much are you willing to pay on? How much will, are, are the Celtics really willing to spend on this roster? How good can this roster be with all of these guys? What's your ceiling now? If all these guys are playing their best, uh, I don't know. This season is going to be super, super interesting to, to answer a lot of these questions. Yeah, Brown is super fascinating to me, uh, especially as a person who enjoys a team that is going to have like $90 million of cap space next summer where the only real good players in the market are going to be RFAs. And I I wonder if Brown is someone the Raptors maybe take a sniff at next summer if things go well with him this season. If not, I don't think they go near it with a 10-foot pole if it's something like last year. But I've always liked Brown. I've always thought there was something there. And I'm curious to see how he'll sort of slot in in the sort of hierarchy of his team. I mean, he's a very good player. Team. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very good. I, I, I personally, though, see him as long-term a high-end role player, mm-hmm. which which is not bad. I mean, that's still going to be a guy that gets 15 to $20 million a year. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. What's what's the comp there? Trevor Ariza, uh, Andre Iguodala? You know, in their prime, guys who are super important to their teams that get a ton of minutes that will get clutch shots and will be asked to do a lot, but they're just not the superstars. They're not options one, two, or three. That's still not bad, but what's that player worth in today's NBA? Yeah. What's Jalen Brown think he's worth? What's he going for? But uh, I mean, I still think Jalen Brown has the potential for a very long, lucrative, and fruitful career. Yeah, and I almost wonder if just the fact that he's going to be playing us alongside at least three higher usage guys in Tatum, Hayward, and Walker will kind of prevent us from actually seeing what he'd be capable of with a more sort of, you know, a limited role on offense. And I'm not saying it would be good or anything, but it's just kind of an interesting thing to think about, you know, what is some team paying for? Is there is some team next summer going to say, hey, let's just make Jalen Brown our number two 
and you know just give him sort of the reins and it'll be kind of a blind thing right because it won't be sure based on a lot of evidence if unless you know there's some injury or whatever and he ends up stepping up into, into a bigger role and maybe he does flash something there i'm not sure but fascinating fascinating player very interesting team i like you know Celtics. This the, the, the Locked On Raptors is mostly a Celtics slander podcast, but uh, I'm, I, I'm at least excited to watch watch them this season because I think they're going to be a really fun offensive team that's going to put up a lot of points and play a lot of shootouts. That's going to be enjoyable to me. Um, so, John, I guess the main question for you after all of this sort of preamble is. Where do you have the Celtics this year? Do you have like a record in mind? Do you have a seeding in mind? Do you have yeah. an advancement into the playoffs in mind? You know, it's funny. I think the Celtics might have the biggest uh, the biggest distance between their absolute best and their absolute worst mm. in the NBA um, because the ultimate like everything goes right scenario for them makes them really really good and that is a scenario where Jalen is taking a big step forward Gordon Hayward is 100% back and he's Utah Gordon Hayward Kemba is still Kemba Uh, Jason Tatum makes that third year step into superstar in the making kind of player. And I don't think he's that far. Like I I laid it out on on my podcast. He's a couple of free throws and an extra three pointer a game away from averaging 20 points a game. Mm -hmm. So if a lot of these things happen and this is pie in the sky, like none of these things ever go this well, but in that theoretical scenario, some of these rookies step up, guys are playing at their best, the best, possible seasons for all of these good players that they have are great great seasons and that puts them in the mix for i don't know two seed challenging philly um in reality i don't think they get to that level there is i think a a more likely possibility that they are at the top of that group that's fighting for the third seed if Gordon Hayward comes back. Now this is like the a step or two down from the best case scenario. Gordon's back to himself, and Tatum is is really good. There's a possibility that the Celtics can separate themselves, and Milwaukee and Philly are the clear one two. Boston becomes the clear three, mm-hmm. and everyone else is fighting four through whatever. Um, I I feel like the Celtics are probably just like last season, a 49-win team, and they're probably, in in the most realistic scenario, fighting for that third seed. Maybe they pull away. Maybe it's tight. I still think the Celtics probably end up holding on to that third seed. Uh, But at that point, we're talking about so many variables, variables because... How does Toronto season go? Who gets hurt? Who do they trade for? What see, what off season, what uh, in season moves do they make? Mm-hmm. How do other teams step up? What does Brooklyn do? How does Kyrie fit in Brooklyn? And, and is he raising people's games? So a lot of those things factor into who gets the third seed. But I think for this Celtics team, a forty nine win season is the most likely. They have a potential if thir- certain things go right to bump that up by four or five wins. Uh, if for some reason things go horribly wrong, they you know there could be some serious changes in Boston. But just getting the vibe early on, I 
I don't see it quite as likely that they're that things are going to fall apart with these guys. Not with this mix. Um, I feel like all the bad actors are gone. I feel like lessons have been learned. Um, I feel like the worst case scenario for them might be a four or five seed, but I don't think they're going to fall any further than that. Yeah, I think the talent on the roster is definitely worse than last year, but the fact that they hate each other significantly less probably means that they're going to cover <laughs> out around the same in the wash. So yeah, I think like 47 to 49, something like in that range is probably where they'll end up. I do think there is potential, you know, if Hayward is a step slow, if Tatum doesn't really progress on defense, that they could be like sure. a bottom 10 defense team. And that will make it tough to, you know, flirt with that three seed. But um, I think they'll probably be more close to like between 15 and 20, something like that, with a top five to six offense. So that'll probably sustain a pretty decent record in the Eastern Conference in particular. Um, I think, yeah, I'm just, I still haven't figured out who I think is better than who in the Eastern little tier there. Like, I don't really know yeah i kind of keep leaning towards toronto and brooklyn sorry toronto and boston not brooklyn dear god uh toronto and boston being the two <laughs> best of that group with miami maybe being in there if they can avoid injuries because they're so not very deep at all um but i kind of think boston toronto are the two best in that group it's just i'm fascinated to see these two teams play because it's going to be one of those styles make fights types of matchups just because the Raptors are going to be pretty weak offensively, going to maintain a whole bunch of defensive versatility and are going to be a monster on that end once again, whereas the Celtics are sort of offensive heavy if you're sort of doing the scales there. And I think that's going to be a fun yep. sort of tete-a-tete to see which can kind of prevail. Um, so yeah, I, I think Boston probably three or four seed. The Raptors also probably a three or four seed is kind of where I'm thinking right now. And then, you know, Kyrie will be very strong for Brooklyn early on before sewering things with weird conspiracy theories in the back half of the year or something like that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just spitballing here. But John, man, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, filling us in on the Boston Celtics coming into this season. I, uh, I'm I'm not as sort of tired already thinking about the Celtics. Kyrie did a lot of that for me, uh, just sort of making it an odious <laughs> team to think about. But now they're yeah. a little bit more fun. They seem to not hate each other. They seem to have some chemistry. Ennis Cantor's cool. I like him. You know, Kemba Walker's always been a nice, easy guy to root for. I uh, am surprisingly not totally just disgusted by the Celtics this season. So that's <laughs> fun. <laughs> that's that. Knowing what kind of vitriol exists for the Celtics, I will take that as one of the highest compliments this team could be paid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not totally disgusted by them. All right, cool. I like that. Uh, So, yeah, John Corrales, you are the host of Locked on Celtics. Where can people find you? Uh, Red's Army underscore John on Twitter. Uh, And you can find my work uh, on masslive.com slash Celtics. Fantastic. Uh, everyone, you can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe, rate, review to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated if you do that. Uh, also, please make sure you're checking out the Lockdown NHL Network, which is fresh up and running this week with lots of great shows, including, if you're a Boston fan tuning in, Boston Bruins uh, content. Lockdown Bruins, hosted by Ian McLaren, is very good, so you can check that out if you're getting ready for the Bruins season. Uh, and, yeah, no, there's just so much stuff on the network. You can also buy We the Champs still at stores by myself and Alex Wong if you want to check that out and relive the glory of the title run and all that good stuff. And I'll be back again 
on Friday? Thursday? I'm not sure when this one's even posting, but I'll be back again soon with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.